Uh, if you're here for the first time today and for everybody in the room, I'm excited you're here. We are starting a new series called All the Feels. How many of you have ever heard of that, All the Feels? Just raise your hand. Great. Perfect. So the room's kind of divided. Uh, for some of you, you know exactly what I mean. For others of you, you are wondering if we misspelled something. Uh, I promise you, we, we did not. If you text or if you use social media at all, um, then you'll know that what we call emojis has become a very important part uh, of communication. In fact, there is something called uh, a Unicode standard. And what that means is there are all kinds of different symbols, all kinds of different codes um, that we use to communicate. As of last summer, there's over 2,500 emojis in circulation. Now, you may not know what emojis are. I'll give me just a second, and I'll, I'll tell you. Um, but there's even something called an emojipedia. For those of you who use emojis really bad and don't know what you're doing, uh, yes, I said an emojipedia for you to look it up and see what it is. Um, but th there's emojis for everything. Let me show you what I mean. So if you're really happy about something, you can actually text an emoji that looks something like this, uh, and you don't have to say anything back. You just, you just send that emoji, and they know, okay, they're, they're good, they're happy about it. If you're really happy about it, you can actually send this emoji, and, you know, it's a little different. The smile's a little bit bigger. It kind of expresses the fact that you're super excited. Um, even the other extreme, if you're sad, you don't have to say, I'm sad. You can just send this little guy, and all of a sudden, everybody gets the picture that, you know what, you're not, not feeling too good. If you're really sad about it, I mean, if you're extremely sad, you can send this one, and you don't even have to show your face. It's just you're completely heartbroken over it. Uh, the problem is, is what do you do when you have all kinds of different feelings in one? What emoticon or what emoji do you send then? Well, that's when you hashtag all the feels. That's like two of you. That was like the two of you that raised your hand and said you knew what it meant. That's when you hashtag all the feels. It kind of gives me all the feelings wrapped up in one. Um, so, for instance, I want to show you a couple of photos uh, that you may say gives me all the feels. Now, typically, there's kind of a, a happy context to it, but let's show the first one. You may look at this, and you say, you know what? That just gives me all the feels. Show, show the next one. Oh. You see? So, go ahead and show the next one there. Oh, you guys are kind of preaching the sermon for me. You get it? It's just all the feels wrapped up into one. Um, so we're all on the same page about what that is. Now, we're asking now, what does it have anything to do with church? <laughs> what does this have to do with Jesus or anything for that matter? Here's the deal. Most of the time, we deal with all the feels, feelings in our everyday lives that actually get in the way of the fulfilling promised life that God offers to us. We can. We're going to talk about some of these feelings for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about things like resentment. When I get all the feels when it comes to resentment, maybe regret. We're going to talk about disappointment in our lives. And we're even going to talk about depression because that's a very real feeling. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what do I do when I have all the feels when it comes to being overwhelmed in my life. Uh, when it comes to being overwhelmed, this is probably the picture that we would use to describe what being overwhelmed in our lives feels like. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, you, you kind of feel a lot like this? I'm kind of overloaded in some area of my life. Probably, maybe I'm just overloaded, period. 
And this is what I feel like as I'm going through my life. The reason is because we live in a culture where we have to do everything fast. We, we have to have everything faster. We actually buy things, and there are products marketed to us that dictate speed. And even the names of them, I'll give you a few examples. We ship things using Federal Express. Sounds fast, so we're, we're, we're going to use it. Uh, we have cell phone companies called Sprint. Yeah, it just, it, it talks about speed. We balance our checkbooks with something called QuickBooks. It's, it's fast, it's easy, it's simple, it goes quick. We even diet with something called Slim Fast. For some of you, it's slim, slow. I get it, but you know, it's not as fast as we thought it would be. Um, some of you sickos out there have bathing suits called Speedos. <laughs> and if you're not laughing right now, it's you. You have one, I know. Just kidding. But we, we want everything fast. We want everything yesterday. And we seem to keep going like this until we crash. And this, this has become a, a part of our lives. And we find ourselves saying things like, I need a vacation. And vacations aren't bad. I think we, we should go on vacation. We should find that time to go and just hang out with our families. But why, why do we have to go to the point of almost a meltdown in our lives before we end up going on vacation? Why do we have to get to the point where we're so overwhelmed before we say something like, I need a vacation? We, we end up doing things like struggling between work and family. Why should that be a struggle? Work is, is important. It's got a lot going on, and family's important. It has a lot going on. And we're trying to find time for kids, and then we're trying to find time, uh, meaningful time for a husband or a wife. You got deadlines at work you got to get done. And all in the mix of that, we're, we're trying to find time for us personally, just to unwind personally. We're trying to find time for our own personal spiritual lives. We want to make that significant. And then on top of all that, there's seasons of life and there's stages of life that we go through that each season and each stage requires different things from us. And it's just, it, it can be difficult and we've got to deal with all these things. But the real reason why we attack all of these things and we don't stop until we end up uh, crashing in our life isn't because we have so much going on. That's really not it. The reason why we've become uh, 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 why we do this is because, listen, we have come to believe that fatigue is normal. It's not about the circumstances because the circumstances really haven't changed that much. We're busy. The reason why we keep doing it and why we attack it the, the wrong way is because we have come to believe that fatigue in life is normal. Being tired all the time is just a normal part of life. It's almost a badge of honor when we think about it, when we can walk up to somebody and say, you see this long list of things I did? Man, I got all that done, and I did it on five hours of sleep. And we say it like we want them to feel sorry for us, but at the same time, we're like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Why? Why? Why should that be a, a badge of honor? It's like, hey, hey, you ding dong, go to sleep, you know? I, I knew a guy one time, a really good friend of mine. He was the manager of a railroad company and a uh, really good friend. And he, he, he would pride himself on about three hours of sleep a night average. And he, he was just tired all the time, the hundreds of miles of railroad track that he had to manage. And I remember watching him come into the church building one night, and he looked so tired that his clothes looked tired. You know what I'm saying? And he, he walked in, and I said, hey, man, how's it going? And he just kind of put his face down. He said, well, he said, I'll let you know in about 10 minutes when my rear end catches up with the rest of my body. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, is, is there a better way to do this? And he probably would say, yeah, there is. There's a better way. Now, for you, it may not be that extreme. You might be getting some rest, but I'd be willing to bet, based on statistics, that a good percentage of this room right here in some area of life is overwhelmed. 
Maybe some of you, your whole, your whole life just feels overwhelmed. And the question that I want to ask you as we start this is, is, is being overwhelmed supposed to be a normal part of life? And I could give you my opinion, you could give me yours, and we could go around the room. But really, what does Jesus have to say about it? What does Jesus say? Is it supposed to be normal? Let's just open up to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read what Jesus says. He starts out with some questions, starting in verse 28. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? I love this. Come to me. He says, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says right there that being overwhelmed is not supposed to be a part of our normal everyday life. Not consistently. There, there are seasons of life where things seem a little stressful at times. I get it. But Jesus is saying, you know what? There's a rest, a real rest that we should be living in and walking in. And I'm just going to be honest and upfront. I'm going to talk about four things that we can all do that are based in the Bible that if we truly adhere to them, we will find ourselves overcoming the feelings of being overwhelmed. But it's going to take an intentional effort on our part to stop doing certain things. And I'm not talking about circumstances because let's face it, there, there's a reason why we're still overwhelmed in our lives. There's a reason why we're already that way. And it's not because our circumstances change and do different things. It's, the reason is because we do what we do naturally. We, we got to do more. We got to be more. We got to feel more. We have to do all these things. So I just want us to be honest and I want you to know that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. It does not involve, uh, it doesn't involve being overwhelmed. But it's going to start with you changing on the inside and not your circumstances changing. Because we all could say, you know, if this thing would simply move or if this circumstance would simply change, then it would fix me. We're all guilty of that, aren't we? And maybe they would. But you know what? It's just going to be a matter of time before another circumstance fills that spot. The difference is what I do, how I feel, what I tell myself. First thing you got to do, we're going to talk about four things. Say four things. Number one, you got to recognize your value. Recognize your value. Did you know that you see things differently when you value yourself the right way? Your whole perception of, your, of yourself and your circumstance changes when you understand your value and how much you're loved. Now, this is going to sound probably to some of you like some weird motivational speech, okay? It's not. It's true. You see circumstances differently when you feel a strong sense of value and love over your life. You, you handle problems differently. You troubleshoot differently. And I've watched people time and time again, they, they respond to different circumstances in their life differently based on how they view and value themselves. Here's the truth. You have to have that value and understand it from God's point of view. That's what it is. Now, we are tempted to only seek that value from other people, from another relationship, from a husband or a wife even. We're tempted to only seek that value and, and judge ourselves and, and value ourselves based on what people do and say around us. That You can't do that, and here's the reason why. Because people, we all have this in common, we fail each other. And as long as we only look as the primary source for somebody else to value me, then it's only a matter of time before they fail me and the byproduct is me being overwhelmed. But there is somebody, there is a God who never, ever, ever fails. And his name is Jesus Christ. 
He was perfect, and he loves you perfectly. He values you perfectly. You've probably heard the Bible when it says he's the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. That, that, it's also describing his love and who he is for you. He never, ever changes. And so if you want to talk about your value, you put your primary source of value in the one who loves you and values you perfectly and holy. And that's God. Listen to what Jesus says about your value. In Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25, he says, I tell you, don't worry about your life. If we could stop right there and just take that in, I think we'd all be doing good. <laughs> he says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry what you're about, what about uh, what you're going to eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then here's where he makes the distinction. He says, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't, they don't store away in barns. But yet, your heavenly Father has this way of feeding them every single day and taking care of all their needs. Saying, if he does that for them, how much more are you valuable than they are? He's saying, well, just all you got to do is look around you. And I think he asked the question, and I think we really need to try to understand that. We really need to think about it. Are you not more valuable than birds? Now, some of you animal rights folks that may be listening to this, just hold on a minute. God made you. He loves you. God cares about the birds too. <laughs> That's why he feeds them every day. And Jesus is saying, you're, you're so much more valuable than they are. He cares for them. How much more is he going to care for you? And what he's saying is don't get caught up in the small things of life that seemingly just completely overwhelm you and you forget about eternal truths. And this is the eternal truth. God is in love with you and God values you. You matter to God. You matter to him. Did you know that the Bible says in Ephesians 1 that before he ever even made you, before creation, he already knew all the bad things that you would do the things that we think are good and bad. He, he already knew how, how we would fail before he made us. And then the Bible says he made us anyway. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he values you. That's how much he wants to be with you. There was a professor named Gordon Fee, brilliant mind. And this is a guy, if you can give you a picture here, he spoke and read in Hebrew and Greek. Okay, not just knew a little bit about it. He spoke and read in it. And he, he wrote 12 volumes on systematic theology. I had to practice that before I even said it. And this guy's writing 12 volumes on it. This is 6 million words he wrote, 9,000 pages. Brilliant man. And at the end of his life, he was giving this interview, and they asked him, what's the most profound thing that you've learned, hoping to get this profound answer from this brilliant mind? And without hesitation, he quotes the most famous children's song and says, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. The most important thing we can do is understand our value in God. He, his love for you goes beyond anything that you could ever even imagine. His love goes beyond anything you could ever earn. He loves you, and it's not difficult to find him. And when we finally begin to realize that, you know what, I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to be smart enough. I don't have to be pretty enough or handsome enough. I don't have to perform in order for God to love me. I don't have to be overwhelmed we begin to hear God's voice that says, I love by a different set of rules than probably what you're used to. And my love doesn't require you to do anything, and there's nothing that you can do to make me love you any less or any more than I already do right now. And that's the words that God's pouring over your life 
I love you. I value you and you matter more to me than any other thing. To keep from being overwhelmed, you got to start by recognizing your value. Recognizing who you are to God. And can I just say, you may not feel that all the time. I don't walk around just feeling like, oh, I'm the most loved person in the world because life stinks sometimes, doesn't it? And sometimes we feel rejected. Sometimes we feel pain. Even Jesus felt rejection. Even Jesus felt pain. That's his emotions. That's his outside. That's our flesh nature. But just like the apostle Paul says, there, I can be hit with all these things on the outside and circumstances, and it feels like I'm wasting away. He said, but there's something else happening on the inside that's actually being renewed day by day. And that comes from understanding in my spirit part of me that God loves me and he does have a purpose for me. And he, he values me despite the way I feel. You may not feel like it all the time, but there's something to be said about a person that understands within their spirit that God values them and God values you. And if, if you want to keep from being overwhelmed in life, recognize your value in God. And for all those of you who are bent on looking to a person to value you, and that's where you're getting your validation from. The, the best people in life, the ones that value you the best, are the ones that understand their value in God too. Recognize your value. Number two, say number two. God, be who he made you to be. Be who God made you to be. Now, they're, they're, it's interesting. Some of us, we, we try to find our value in what somebody else expects from us. Maybe we try to find uh, and, and be what somebody else is becoming because their life seems great and they seem to be really far in God and they seem to have all the talent in the world and, and I want to try to be like them. Listen, God made you to be you. He gave you a, a specific, uh, if I can quote a movie, a specific set of skills. Anybody ever seen Taken, really? <laughs> he made you to be you. He made you specifically and uniquely to be you, to fulfill a purpose that nobody else can fill. I'm speaking over your life right now, and some of us is just kind of hitting a brick wall because we've kind of built up our validation and so many other things. God has made you to be you, and it's okay to be you. And the more time you spend trying to be something you're not and be where you're not, then you're missing exactly where you are. And where you are is so important. It's such an important part of the journey, right where you are. Did you know that God has plans for you today? He has a purpose for you today, and sometimes all we can see is where we're not yet. And we begin to look into the horizon. It's not a bad thing to have a plan and look into the horizon, but when we do it so much that we, that we never stop and look where we're at, then we miss God's plans and purposes for us for this season. And what God is saying is, I want you to be who I made you to be. Not something that you're not yet, and certainly not somebody else. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says this. He's, listen to it. I know the plans I have for you. Wouldn't it be weird if he said, I know the plans I have for your neighbor? Let me tell you about that. No, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Then he goes on, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. You need to hear it, and you miss it when you spend your time being overwhelmed trying to live up to or be somebody else, living in God's plan for them or trying to, to accomplish their purpose. Some of us, we're never going to get out of the, the feelings of being overwhelmed until we figure out why God put us here. And maybe until, until you know what you're supposed to do with your life and how you're supposed to do it. 
when I first started preaching years ago, uh, I listened to all kinds of different preachers. I kind of got ideas from different people, and you just kind of become a sponge. And the result was I was trying to find my voice, but the problem was that I was trying to be like them. All kinds of different people, man, godly men and, and women who spoke the word of God so great in their own voices, and I tried to become a hodgepodge of who they were. I did it very naturally, <laughs> and not in a good way, trying to become them. And the result was my preaching wasn't that great. Some of you are like, still not that great. And I, I'll never forget my pastor looking at me and saying, Ryan, he said, it's okay to be influenced by somebody else, but be who you are. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. It's okay to draw from other people and draw strength and, and wisdom from other people, but be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And that started me on a journey, and I started trying to find my voice. And, and he, he gave me this example of Billy Graham. And maybe some of you know who Billy Graham is. Maybe some of you don't. But Billy Graham was one of the most prolific evangelists in the last century. I mean, he had millions of people that he preached to. He was, he was an advisor spiritually to, to a few presidents. Uh, when this guy spoke, people listened. His events were so big, they had to put, fill them uh, up in, in baseball stadiums and football stadiums, and thousands upon thousands of people would come to Christ every time he spoke. And my pastor said, Ryan, what if Billy Graham had tried to be somebody else? We, we wouldn't have the results that God brought through this man, you know, because he, he was him. He, he was him. He was who God made him to be. And my question to you is, what has God purposed for you to be? And maybe you don't know the answer to that, and that's okay. And we would love to help you figure that out. But that verse said that God has plans for you. He has a purpose for you. And, and I don't want you to waste your time being overwhelmed because we're trying to fill somebody else's purpose. That's frustrating because you're never going to accomplish it because God made you for something else. He made you for something specifically. And so we, some of us just need to grab on to what God is saying today, and that is I'm going to spend the rest of my life on this journey figuring out and walking in the purpose that God has for me. There's no greater feeling, no greater joy, no matter what's going on around you, than knowing that I am in the will of God. I don't care what happens on the outside. If I know I'm in God's will, if I know I'm in the plan that he has for me, then I've got a joy down deep that nobody can steal. It doesn't matter what else happens. Be who God made you to be. Number three, say number three. Find people that add value to you. Find people in your life that add value to you. Now, this is after you recognize your value to God. Understand that. Find people that add value to you. There's generally two kinds of people that are around us in life. There's people that need value from you, and then there's people that add value to you. That's pretty much the only kinds of people there are. And the people that need value from you, they could be people in your life that are maybe younger than you. And it's important to have people that you're pouring into like that. Maybe they need marriage advice because you're a little bit further along. Or, or maybe they need feedback on, uh, you know, on, on parenting or whatever the case is. Maybe they just need to know how to change a tire. And you know how to do it. And you can pour that into somebody. Um, in a spiritual setting, this could be somebody who maybe is a new believer in your realm of influence. And you're maybe just showing them what you've learned about a specific scripture or, or something about the Bible that you can enlighten them on. This is huge. But this type of person, they, they always need from you. They, they take value from you. You're always pouring out. And if all you do is pour out, then you're overwhelmed. That's the byproduct. Maybe it doesn't happen right away, but eventually if all you do is pour out, if you think of like a, a bucket that has holes at the bottom of it and it's pouring out, if you don't fill it up, guess what? You're empty. And an empty person is not good for much at all. 
So you need to have at least an equal amount of people in your life that's adding value to you. And maybe you just need to take an assessment right now, and you're like that person that's just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and you got you know people in at work that just need, 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 and they're an emotional wreck, and and you got grown uh, kids that won't leave, and you're you're pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and uh, you know you have to have people that add value to you. Now, this could be somebody who's further along in the road than you are. And maybe you're asking them for parenting advice or them for marriage advice. Maybe you're asking them, uh, you know, to help with some spiritual application in the Bible. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have a, quote, mentor, because that can be overwhelming in itself. It's a good thing to have a mentor. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means you have people in your life that you can sit in a room with and they don't need anything from you. You don't feel like you have to entertain them. You can sit in silence and, and your batteries are recharged because just being around them makes you feel better in, on the inside about, about who you are and about what you're doing. It's like a breath of fresh air when this person comes in the room. They, they don't need anything from you. They're, they're actually pouring in to you. And we, we see this in Jesus' life throughout the scriptures that, that we have of the record of his life. Over and over again, he, we see where he invested in the thousands and thousands, but then he, he withdrew to his friends to the disciples, to the 12. Uh, a few examples in Matthew 26, it says that he was at the home of his friend. He withdrew to recharge. In Mark 4, it says afterwards, Jesus was alone with the 12. In Luke 9, it says Jesus was there alone with his disciples. Jesus understood that he needed to withdraw. And if he understood that, then how much more do we need to understand that? We have to find people that add value to us. And some of you are probably thinking, I, I wish I had relationships like that. I don't have those kinds of close relationships. I wish I did. But let me just tell you a soft truth, if we can all hear it today. This really isn't an option. Because if, if, you, if you don't take the time to invest in these healthy kinds of relationships, then you will beg for them when crisis in life comes. You will. You'll, you'll beg for them. One of the things that we're doing around here at the bridge uh, in a few months, we're going to roll out something called Bridge Groups, and you'll be able to sign up for a group, and you'll be able to get into these smaller environments of about 12 to 15 or so people, and you'll be able to do life with them, meet weekly with them, do fun things together, study the scriptures together, go, go through some, a curriculum, a Bible-inspired uh, curriculum. You'll be able to have a fun night with them. You'll be able to do an outreach project together, and these are designed for the sole purpose of getting around people in a smaller setting that add value to you and that you can add value to other people. That's the whole point of it. We know that we come in here on Sunday mornings, and, and we high-five each other when it's not flu season. Uh, and, and, and that's pretty much it. We're able to kind of get through some pleasantries and just kind of talk, and then we leave. We can't develop relationships like that just on Sunday morning. And so we want to be intentional about that, and those are going to be coming out in the next uh, few months or so. But we have to be able to get around people that add value to us. It's essential to keep from being overwhelmed. You've got to recognize your value. Number two, you have to be who God made you to be. You've got to find people that add value to you. Here's the last one. Everybody say, last one. You got to rest. You got to rest. And if you want to move past the feelings of being overwhelmed, you have to get to a place where you know how to rest. And I'm going to be honest, this is probably the most difficult one because we have a different idea of what rest really is. If, if I were to take our calendars collectively and throw them on the screens and let's look at them, you know what we'd see? Busy people. We would see busy, busy people. But we probably also see the one thing that's missing 
Uh, and that's very important to avoid the feelings of being overwhelmed. And it's one word. It's called solitude. Solitude. And some of you are probably wondering what that is. And, and I'm not talking about kicking back in the recliner whenever you're off work and watching the game or a movie. Um, but what I am talking about is where you slow down and find that place where you're quiet, no distractions, and you take a look at your inner self. Some of you avoid it like the plague. And you, it seems like a, some of the guys especially, oh, that sounds like a wussy thing to do. I'm not going to talk to my feelings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting real with yourself because no matter what you think you are or not, we're all human beings and we all have a spirit nature about us. We all have that place on the inside where we really are, where we're, we're really dealing with stuff. And some of us avoid it because maybe we're just, we, we, we don't want to do that because we don't quite know what to do. Or, or maybe there's so much pain underlying, you know, in our lives that we just, if we get quiet enough and still enough, then that we have to deal with it. And so we avoid it and we just stay busy. And even when we're supposed to be resting, we, we fill our lives with things that look like rest, but really it in dealing with the pain we have. We go on vacation, we go shopping, we take off work, but we got to be doing something so that we can't get still long enough to look at the pain that's actually in our lives. That's not rest. That's called covering it up, sweeping it under the rug. And no matter what you do, the minute you get still, it's always going to be there. But there is a God who says, if you get still with me, if you take some time for solitude, yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I can help you with it. And eventually, as we walk through this together, I will show you how to do it. Jesus, early in the morning, the Bible says in Mark 1, he, he got up before light came. That means while he was still, he could be alone. He said and he withdrew to a solitary place and he prayed. We, we see it throughout the scriptures. He knew how to say no to things in order to say yes to solitude and to rest. And, and for some of you, you're like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit around and home? Like, how, how, do, I, how do I get in touch with my feelings? Listen, it's not this difficult. It's not, it's not some weird new age thing. It's, I heard it described like this, and I love this. It's being able to think in God's presence. That's what it is. You sit down and you get quiet um, Bill Hybels calls it chair time for him. It's 15 minutes of un uninterrupted time in the morning where he spends just thinking in God's presence. He has the Bible there. He reads a little bit, and he has a pen and paper ready to write down in his quiet time what it is that God may be wanting to say. You, you deal with, with what's happening. Maybe, maybe you reflect on your life, and you, you talk about these very points that we've been talking about today, and you ask yourself, am I failing to recognize my value in God? That's a question that a lot of us need to ask. Maybe, maybe you ask, am I being who God made me to be? And you, you sit there long enough and deal with yourself long enough on the inside without a vacation or any other thing happening, and you ask yourself these questions and give the God who made you and loves you the opportunity to speak into your life. Am I being who you made me to be? Do I have people in my life that add value to me? And, and as you ask these questions, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you're failing on some of these. And then the question then becomes, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to go on like normal and, and just kind of go through the path and all of a sudden be overwhelmed because my life just always points to that? Or am I going to actually do something about this and let you speak into me? Because I, I want you to know when you do, when you take charge of yourself, then God's going to be true to what he said. You're going to be doing your part, and then God's going to come through and do what he said in that opening verse that we read. And we're going to read it again. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 11. 
Are you tired? Are you, are you worn out? And some of you right now are going, yes, that's, that's me. Maybe some of you, he said, are, are you burned out on religion? And what, what he was saying there is you, you've been going through and going, trying to earn goodness in your life, and it's exhausting. Jesus said, forget all that junk. Come to me. Get away with me. He said, you'll recover the life that I promised you. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. He's not saying you should just abandon work. He's saying, but there's a way to do it in such a way where you're fulfilled and not overwhelmed. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn this thing called the unforced rhythms of of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says, but keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that indicates something that maybe we don't have a grasp on yet. But what Jesus is saying is if we will come away with him, he'll show us. It's not going to be some weird mystery. When you seek him, you find him. That's what the Bible says. But what he does say is that when you come away, he's going he's to want to teach you something that you learn. And that often requires us stop doing the things, or some of the things that we've been doing and start doing others. Are you overwhelmed? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out? Some of you are ready to make that decision right now to say, yes, God, I want to do it your way. I'm tired of doing it mine. Some of you are ready right now. Some of you, maybe your first step just needs to be, God, I want to come to you and give you my life. I've never done that. Pastor Ryan, I I feel this thing in my chest right now. I don't know exactly what it is. What I'm telling you is that it's God saying, I want you to come to me. That's him. He's saying it. And some of you are ready to make that decision right now. I just want to give you the opportunity to say yes. Right where you're at. The prayer team is going to come up here. If, if During this prayer, if you want to have prayer with somebody, if you want to have help, then they're going to make themselves available right up at the front. And you're more than welcome to come down here and, and have prayer. Can we stand together as we pray? Just close your eyes. I just want you to focus on God for a minute. He's ready to He's ready to just take you in. God, all of us in this room are in different maybe seasons of life. We're all on different journeys. God, but we're all human beings. We're all made by you. And the one thing that we have in common is, is we have the propensity to, to lead our lives in such a way that being overwhelmed is the byproduct. Lord, we've, we've heard some, some word today from you. And, and God, we, we don't want to continue doing it our way. And a lot of us in this room right now are just ready to say yes to you, ready to do it your way, ready to recognize our value in who you said we are, not anybody else. We're ready to be who you made us to be. God, we're ready to rest in you. So God, you you see all the yeses right now in these hearts that are represented in this room. I'm not going to pray us into your presence, Lord. You're already here. And you know that each one is saying yes, the ones that are. Lord, maybe there's some in this room right now that have never said yes to you. And and their first step right now is just to say, God, I want you to lead my life. I want to receive you as my my Lord. 
and let you lead my life. And if that's you in this room today, I'm, I'm just going to pray. I just want you to agree with me in prayer. If you need help praying this prayer or you just kind of want to help uh, get help praying, you're more than welcome to come up here. We'll be happy to pray with you anytime during this prayer. But it's going to go something like this. You just agree in your heart. God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I know that you died for me to pay a price, a penalty of sin that I could not pay and cannot pay, no matter how much good I do. It's not going to be enough. Your standard is perfection, but you didn't want to leave me in this state of not being able to attain it. And so you sent Jesus Christ to come to this earth, to be a human being, and to live a sinless, perfect life, to die for me, to, t to take on my penalty and really die, and then really be rose, risen from the grave, demonstrating power over life and power over sin and power over death. And now I, I just want to have that life too. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect while I'm a human being, but I just trust you, God, to come into my life and lead me and to fill in the gaps. I, I, I'm just going to give you my all. I'm going to aim my heart at you, and, Lord, I, I just want you to have me. Make me an influencer. God, not not for the things I used to be, God, but for the things that I want to start doing from this day forward in you, in your strength and in your power, your ability, not mine. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Can we say amen together to that?